Summer Missions. When I was a punk college student, and I had no idea what I was going to do or where I was going to go, uh, I had a, an older man in the church say, hey, why don't you give one summer to the Lord? I want you to go on mission, hop in a stinky van with six other college students, and I want you to travel the state of Wyoming preaching the gospel and serving churches. And that summer changed my life. And so I, it's a big deal for me to give those opportunities to the same young people around the nation. And so, I got, guys, I want you to give your attention, your ears, and your prayers to Timothy Mo as he comes up and shares the word. Timothy, go, go ahead and come on up. And, and uh, thanks for preaching for us this morning, Timothy. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Y'all doing good? Uh, if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 9. We'll be looking at verses 18 through 27. I'm going to go ahead and apologize for my voice right now. I've been at youth camp this past week uh, with my students back home. So, you know, I love them to death, but uh, they took my voice out of me. <laughs> um, and so while you're turning there, uh, I just want to reiterate, uh, my name is Timothy Moe. Uh, we're part of the GOLA mission team uh, from Louisiana. And we are so thankful for you guys to come uh, for taking care of us and for, you know, letting us stay in your homes, and for giving us the opportunity to come serve y'all. Um, it really is a blessing to be able to do this. So um, before we get started, I have a story for you guys, if you don't mind. So I'm from a small town. Um, and when I say small town, I mean like a thousand people, like really small. And so, you know, having fun was like, you know, it was really hard to do. It really was a lot of things to do around my small town to have fun. So me and my friends had to get really creative when it, when it came to finding things to do. And so something that we really enjoyed doing was exploring abandoned buildings, places, you know, things like that. And, uh, and so there's this one time in particular, it was my sophomore year in high school, uh, that we explored this, uh, this abandoned church. And, uh, and this wasn't our first times that we did this, so we were super psyched up, you know, we were freaking out, you know, for just walking in a building. Um, and so anyways, we took our time, we explored, had a great time, and then we left the church, and then we noticed that there was behind us a truck that was flashing his brights at us, and he was trying to get me to stop, <laughs> And, uh, and so I thought for a minute, like, is he really flashing his brights at us? Because Louisiana roads are super bad, so when you hit bumps, it looks like someone's flashing their brights at you. But no, he, uh, he was trying to flag me down. And so I was like, well, we're not going to stop for this guy. And so uh, we took down, uh, we tried to, we wanted to see if he would follow us. So we took, uh, turned down one road and another one and then another. And he followed us down each turn. And eventually we realized that uh, we needed to lose this guy. So I, uh, I was the one driving, so I took a sharp turn, and luckily he kept on going. <laughs> Scary time, but it was the best relief I ever felt in my life, seeing that guy keep on going. Uh, and so this guy, this guy, for whatever reason, uh, was just dedicated to following us. I mean, he kept up with us no matter what. When, when I took a turn, he took a, he took a turn, and whenever I increased speed, he increased speed too. There was no doubt in my mind or my friends' minds that he was following us. You know, following Jesus ought to look the same. If we are following Jesus, we should have this same level of determination. If Jesus takes a turn, we take that turn. If he increases speed, we increase speed. We keep in step with him. And so this morning, church, what I want us to do is take this time and take a look at what it really means to follow Jesus and to see if we are following him with the level of dedication that he's calling each and every one of us to. So if you would, follow along as I read for us, uh, starting in verse 18. So it says this. 
It says, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. He said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. If you will, let's just bow our heads and ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for a time that we can just... Meet here, Lord, all together and praise you, praise your holy name, and take a time where we can just hear from you. Lord, I pray that uh, for our hearts to just be open to you, that uh, whatever it might be distracting us outside these walls, that, Lord, you'd cast those out, and that, Father, we would just be focused on you. Lord, we love you. Same in Jesus we pray. Amen. And so, there are three things I want us to see this morning. And the first thing I want us to see, in order to understand what it means to follow Jesus, we need to know the one that we follow. And so starting in verse 18, we begin with Jesus and his disciples. They're praying in private. And then Jesus asks them a question. He asks them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they begin to list all different sorts of people. They say, well, some say Elijah. Some say John the, or John the Baptist or still are one of the prophets. And so Jesus' reputation and works had garnered a lot of rumors that pointed that there was something special about him. But, but Jesus is after more, Right? Jesus skips right to the point, and he asks them, but what about you? But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter declares that Jesus is God's Messiah, or your translation might say the Christ of God. He declares that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And at some point in our lives, church, we all face the same question. Who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus? Is Jesus simply a good man? Is he simply a good teacher or a philosopher or, in this case, a prophet? Or, or is he truly the Messiah? And so when we declare Jesus as our Messiah, we make some claims. Firstly, we claim that we follow the Savior. When Peter declared that Jesus as, was the Messiah, he was calling Jesus the promised Savior that they had been waiting on for so long. And we can trace this promise throughout the entire Old Testament. Think back all the way to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God is pronouncing the curse on the serpent, he says this in verse 15. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Even in the beginning, God had a plan. Even in the beginning, God promised that someone, that someone was Jesus, would come and achieve or accomplish a decisive victory over sin, over death, and the serpent forever. Amen? 
not only there, but we can take a look at the book of Isaiah, where the prophet Isaiah prophesies in chapter uh, 61, verse 20. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners. And this verse should seem kind of familiar because when Jesus is back home in Nazareth and is asked to read scripture, he reads this verse and says that this is about me. And we can keep on going. We can go after verse after verse, promise after promise. But the point is this, is that Jesus is the promise Savior. And as followers of Jesus, we declare that exact same thing, that he is the one that saves us. He is the one that saves us from our sins, our brokenness, and our evil. And he is the only one that can. Acts chapter, 12, uh, Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by mankind, but we must be saved. Not only do we claim that we follow the Savior, but we also say that we follow the way of the Savior. With the truth that Jesus was the promised Savior came a lot of preconceived ideas and notions about what it meant for Jesus to be the Savior. Peter, the disciples, and most people during this time were under the impression that the Messiah would come and deliver the Jewish people from Roman occupation. However, however, Jesus is really quick to to squash these misconceptions. Rather than attack Rome, in verse 22, Jesus says this. He says, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus came to save, but to not save them from Rome, but from something more powerful, something far worse. He came to save them and us from sin. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. See, Jesus saves not by destroying his enemies or ours, but by dying for them on a criminal's cross. A death that he did not deserve by any means. And we need to keep this in mind too, church, because we also come to Jesus. We come to him with a lot of assumptions, with a lot of misconceptions. Because you know what? We like to think that we know what's right. We like to think that we know what's right because of what society says or because we are stubborn and we just think we know what's right or about what our family says or about what our friends say. Rather, what is right is something that is declared by Jesus and Jesus alone. Are you with me? And so we too follow this way of the Savior that is commanding us, that is calling us all to lay down our misconceptions about Jesus, our assumptions, and to simply follow him. And so... Moving on, with this declaration of Jesus' identity comes the challenge to follow him. That's the second thing I want to see, that there is a challenge to follow him. And so, the disciples were now aware of the truth that Jesus was the Messiah. He's the Savior. And now comes the hard part. Is knowing that Jesus the Savior enough for them? Is it enough to follow them, uh, to follow him? Church, is it enough for you? Is it enough for us? And so what exactly is Jesus calling or challenging us all to do in regard to following him? Well, he is challenging each and every one of you and me and everyone who's a believer to a genuine commitment. Jesus issues the call and declares this in verse 23. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus is declaring that if For you to be a disciple, you must be truly committed. 
Later on in chapter 9, and verses, uh, and starting in verse 57, Jesus has an encounter with three different men with three different excuses. And starting in verse 57, it says, it says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to, said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So again, in these verses here, Jesus has three different encounters with three different men with three different excuses. One is concerned with where they will live. Another is concerned with burying his father. And lastly, one just wants to be able to say goodbye. And, and by the way, this, this seems reasonable, right? Like, wouldn't you feel the, pretty similarly? Like, seems like pretty reasonable requests. But what does Jesus do? Jesus gently rebukes them. See, Jesus is ultimately doing something here. He's ultimately making the point that what they deemed as valuable, what they deemed as important, was no longer important. Not in Jesus' eyes. For Jesus committing to him and the kingdom of God is what's most important. In church, this rebuke is for us as well. Jesus is calling all of us to this genuine and difficult commitment because following Jesus requires us to adopt a whole new value system. One that no longer values the things of this world. No longer values things like comfort. Things like job security, or acceptance, or our sins. Following Jesus requires us to have a whole new value system. Because within the kingdom of God, only Jesus matters. I'll say it again, only Jesus matters within the kingdom of God. <laughs> Are you with me? And so, lastly, with the challenge to follow comes the cost. Jesus lays out the cost to follow. And you know what? Jesus isn't shy about what is necessary. This is what he says. He says again in verse 23, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. See, when Jesus lays out the cost, he doesn't hide it. He doesn't say, he doesn't, you know, bring out a contract with some fine print out and say, you know, we'll talk about it later. Jesus point blank looks at him and says, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you something. And that cost was their lives. And so, what does it look like to lose your life for Christ? Well, firstly, it looks like a life of self-denial. Jesus calls us and his, or he calls his disciples and us to deny ourselves. And in this life of self-denial, we willingly put to death our selfishness, our sins, and our desires, and our agendas. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Every day, every day as followers of Jesus, we wake up and we are faced with a choice. We are faced with the choice of doing what we want or what God wants. Our calling is to wake up every morning 
and to say no to sin, to say no to sin, and to strive for holiness, to strive to look like Jesus. And you know what? We may not always make the mark because we're humans. We're broken, and we have this, you know, this, this nature about us, the sin nature. But we may not always make the mark, but this is our calling. Not only does it look like a life of self-denial, but it also looks like a life of cross-bearing. Jesus calls all of us to take up a cross daily. And, and what does that mean? What does it mean to take up a cross daily? Well, carrying a cross is not an easy thing. So typically when a criminal was being crucified, they would carry the cross beam of the cross. And they would bring it out to the site of crucifixion. And this cross beam weighed around, you know, 100 pounds, which I guess isn't a whole lot, right? But that's not comfortable, is it? It's not comfortable by any means. Ultimately, Jesus is telling his disciples that to follow him, that to follow him meant an uncomfortable life without any rights. The life of a person condemned to crucifixion was already determined. All they had left to do was to do what they were told. And so, when we pick up our crosses daily, we're declaring to Jesus that our wills are no longer in the matter. It's no longer about what we want anymore. It's all about what Jesus wants. And so, wherever he leads us, we go. And this can be somewhere comfortable or not. But the point is that we go with him wherever, to, do, to go whenever, and to do whatever. Because we have exchanged our wills for his will. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I live, I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And just about this church is this, is um, if you are a believer, he's going to call you to do something. He's going to call you to do something. I mean, he has. Make disciples. That's one thing right there that we all can share in. But the thing is, like, if you are a believer in Jesus, he's going to call you to do something. And our response is to say, yes, Lord, I will go whenever to do whatever, to go wherever, because it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. And lastly, it looks like a life of death. Ironic, isn't it? Jesus states that if anyone loses their life for me, we'll find it. See, the biggest irony in being a follower of Jesus is that in death, we find life. In this, Jesus is calling his disciples and us to live as living sacrifices, to live sacrificially. Rather than live a life of selfishness, Jesus wants his followers to be willing to, be willing to give up whatever necessary for the kingdom and for others. And on, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus really reinforces this idea of living sacrificially. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, Jesus says this. He says, you have heard it said eye for eye, and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt, uh, take your shirt hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks, and do not turn from, away from the one who wants to borrow from you. See, in these verses here, Jesus is just increasing the commitment. He's increasing, he's increasing, he's increasing, right? 
It's like you've heard it said this. Well, actually, here's this. You, you think you go one mile, go two. Because it's our, our nature. Our nature is to want to do the bare minimum. But within the kingdom of God, within the kingdom of God, church, we are to live as sacrifices. And in this, Jesus is calling all of us to give and to give up. To give to others, to take care of them, and to also give up ourselves. And you know what? In this way of living, there seems to be a lot of loss. Right? However, what we give up in this life for Christ, it does not compare to what we gain in him. Later on, in another time, Jesus and his disciples have an encounter with the rich young ruler, and Jesus asks him to follow him. And if you're in here and you've been aware of that story, uh, you know that he um, says, no, uh, I, I prefer my life. I prefer the riches that I have. I'm going to keep that. And then Peter sees this happen, and he asks Jesus, what's going to happen to us? We've all given up so much to follow you. We've given up our lives. We've given up our careers, Jesus. We've given all this up to follow you. What's going to happen to us? And Jesus says in Luke chapter 18, verses 29 through 30, one of the most comforting things. He says this, says, truly I tell you, no one, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. And you know what? We can take hold of this as well and be comforted by the fact that whatever we lose in this life, church, we gain all the more in Jesus and in the age to come eternal life. And so, talking about following Jesus, right? And so to, in order to understand what it truly means to follow him, we need to know the one that we follow, right? And we need to understand what we're being challenged to do in, regarding to, in regard to following him. That we're being challenged to a genuine commitment. One to be followed out regardless of convenience. And to count the cost of following him. And so, in closing, I just want to talk to you guys. Just, just one-on-one. You know, we're, we're here. <laughs> if you're in here today, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you might be thinking... Do I really have to give up all this? Do I really have to do all this to follow him? And I would say that's not the question to ask. Because why do we, why do, we do this? Why do we follow Jesus with this kind of passion, this kind of commitment? We do it because we love him, right? We do it because we love him. And so if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, when you meet him, you'll want to do these things. You will want to follow him with every being, every ounce of your being. You will you want to give up whatever, whatever you have to do because he's just, he's that great church. I mean, I can say, I say if there's followers of Jesus in here, which most of us are, right, you would say the same thing. And again, if you're, not, if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm sure some of the staff would love to talk to you guys about the gospel. The good news that Jesus came, lived a perfect life for you, died on a cross for you was buried in a grave for you and was raised to life for you. All that to forgive you of your sins, your evil, your brokenness, and to defeat death forever. And if you're in here today I want to leave, and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to leave you with something. Are you following him with this kind of commitment? Are you following him with this kind of passion? And if not, what's keeping you? 
What is keeping you from following him in this way? What needs to change in your life today that when you walk out of these doors, that you are following him in this way that he is calling us all to? And so I'll pray for us, and uh, if you need to talk with staff or anyone, uh, they'd be happy to pray for you or talk with you about whatever you need to talk about. Uh, but anyways, I'll pray for us, and, and you'll be dismissed. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the amazing God that you are, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for, uh, for us as we leave today, God. I pray that we just, um, that God, you just help us to just follow you with everything we have. Help us to just see you for who you are and that you are worth following with everything that we have. And God, I pray for those in here today that they may not know you. I pray, Lord, that, that it says in your word that today is the day for salvation. That, God, that there would be, that you would just draw them to you, Lord, and that today they'd be saved. Lord, we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you, Timothy. Everybody just give uh, Timothy just a little show of uh, how grateful we are. I don't know about you guys, but I want to follow Christ. I want to follow Christ because he's worth it. He's worthy and he's worth it. I love that. I love that call, Timothy. Thank you. Um, Hey, with that, I wanted to invite you, uh, this Saturday, we're going to be preparing for something awesome. We have baptisms coming this summer, and so we want to prepare, and we want to go down to the river and pray and baptize. So if you are free this Saturday at 1 o'clock, we're going we're gonna to prepare the area um, by clearing out some of the, the weeds and some of the branches. So we want to invite you to that work day. And uh, church, I hope you're challenged. Are you challenged? I'm challenged. Um, hey, if you can, come on down and uh, meet the team, shake their hands, and uh, tell them how much you appreciate them. Oh, and maybe some of you have some weeds and some branches that you want to be prayed over here. Come on up and do it. And we'll pray for you. Thank you, church. You're dismissed. <laughs>